Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Thank you for worshiping this morning with us. Uh, today is Mother's Day and I've been praying about where the Lord would have me to preach. Pastor Bradley, of course, is on vacation. And so I'll be preaching today and also on Wednesday. So continue to pray for them as he's out of town. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 18, the last five verses of that chapter where we're going to spend our time at. I do have notes provided with you for you in the bulletin if you want to follow along, help you out that way as well as notes will be on the screen as well. Uh, do also com- continue to remember James Dermeyer, I totally forgot to mention him this morning, that's my fault. Um, he's been struggling with some sickness and uh, doctors are trying to figure out he had an infusion this last week and so um, just continue to pray for him during this time as well. Uh, But if you have your place there, Acts chapter 18, in the last couple of verses, five verses, if you'll stand, and we will read this together, and then we'll jump into our message this morning. The Bible says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and been fervent in the Spirit, He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only of the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took unto him, unto them, and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the scripture that you've allowed us to read. Pray that you'll give me peace and comfort as I preach this morning. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I want to speak on making an impact. Make an impact in where God has placed you. And this morning we're going to look at a character study of a lady named Priscilla. Priscilla in the New Testament is an influential role. And uh, as I was studying through this, and we'll pull out some things, but one of the things, and we just saw as we recognized all of our moms, the role of ladies in God's kingdom is extraordinary. And I'll never get over the goodness of ladies that have been in my life and the impact that women have had on me in, as a young Christian and even as an older Christian uh, through Sunday school and roles of teaching and discipleship in my life. And uh, we'll explain more of that later. But the woman found here in the New Testament uh, is found often throughout the New Testament. And she was found making a difference in the lives around her. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we making a difference in the lives that are around us this morning? Jackie Robertson, probably one of the most famous baseball players of all time, said this, a life isn't significant except its impact on others. A life is not significant unless except its impact on other people. Who this morning are we making an impact on? Moms, we have a huge ability to make an impact as kids and being able to influence those kids that are going to influence other kids that are going to influence other kids, it is our responsibility as all individuals, but specifically as moms, to make that impact this morning. And so we're going to look at four things through this passage of Scripture very quickly on how we can make an impact. The first thing is this, in verse 25, it says, paying 
attention to what is promising. Paying attention to what is promising. It said, this man was instructing of the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit, and spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So the Priscilla here, specifically in Aquila, was paying attention to those people who were around them. They were, she was working with her husband. We know that she was a tent maker. We know that she was fashioning things together in order to help others. And while she was working... She was paying attention to those that are around her. She wasn't just involved in her own little job and making sure things were done. She was paying attention to those around her. And I think as I read through this, sort of in my, my, my reading into the story here, uh, I began thinking Aquila and Priscilla were working together. They did this trade together. And it's almost like Aquila is the, the, the guy that's laser focused. We've got to make this many tents and we've got to get this done. And Aquila notices because okay, this is how it is in my relationship with my wife. She notices things that are going on here in Apollos' life. And I think that she came to Aquila and said, hey, let's invite Apollos over to our house. Oftentimes, Allie will come to me and say, hey, so-and-so, we need, we need to hang out with them. We haven't done something with them in a while. And I'm like, ah, yeah, but I'm busy. Like, you see my schedule? No, 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 we need to do that. And so I changed my schedule in order to make things happen around. And so this is almost like the, 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 what's happening here. Priscilla comes to Aquila and says, hey, I see this guy over here. I'm paying attention to him. I'm seeing what's going on. He's very eloquent in his speech. He's fervent in spirit. He's teaching diligent. But there's some error, and we need to help him out. So she was constantly on the lookout for others in need of encouragement. Apollos did not know that he needed help. Apollos here, if you read in verse 25, it said that he was instructing the way of the Lord. He was fervent. He believed in what he spoke. He taught diligently. But the problem was he only knew of John the Baptist and the instruction of John the Baptist. You see, he comes from a place called Alexandria. And at this time, Alexandria had the vast, most largest library that had ever been assembled in the history of the world. We don't have that library because it burned down thousands of years ago. Shortly after this happened, it had a massive fire and it burned down. And we don't know the amount of wisdom that was burned down in that fire, but we do know that Apollos learned in that library. And he had learned all up into the apostle John, the, the, the prophecy of John and John the Baptist, and he came teaching those things. And he did not know that he needed help, but Priscilla saw the potential in him and wanted to invest in him. This morning, I'm going to share two specific illustrations, one at the beginning and one at the end. These are articles that I found of real-life people who were specifically teachers in education. The first one is a lady named Helen Rosala. Helen Rosala was a teacher years ago before the Vietnam War. She was a junior high teacher. Now it's called middle school, right? But as a junior high teacher, and she taught math. Okay, we can relate to that a little bit. You may have had a math teacher. And she came in one Friday and she noticed that the kids were just a little bit out of sync. They were a little bit off that day. And so she decided to stop teaching that day and she pulled out a list of all the kids' names and she put a dash beside every kid's name. She distributed that paper to all the kids. Everyone had their own paper. And she said, this is your assignment for today. I want you to go around and think about every student in this class today and write one positive thing about that student. And so all the kids began thinking through this person and writing something down. It took the entire class time. 
She took the paper up, and that night she went home that weekend and assembled all of those names that had been put together beside them, the attributes of that person, and she assembled a piece of paper for every student. The next Monday she came into class and she distributed that piece of paper to every student. And as they began reading what their other classmates thought of them, they began to whisper, they began to giggle. I didn't know that person thought of me like that. I didn't know that person had even thought that I was like that or even had pulled that out. And so that class began to, to, to graduate and move on to, to different classes. And years later, after she had retired, she came back in town because she had heard of one of her students that had passed away, had served in the war, had lived through the war, but had just passed away. And so she came to the funeral and she came through the receiving line and it was the first military funeral she'd ever been to. And as she came through the line, there were two soldiers at the end of the casket there paying respects. And as they came through, one of the soldiers said, were you his math teacher? And she said, yeah. And they pulled a piece of paper out of his pocket and said, he gave this to us while we were in war. We were hoping we were going to run into you. And it was the tattered piece of paper that she had distributed when she was in junior high school of all the names of the people that had said the things about him. And she began talking to them and he said, oftentimes in war, while we were over there, he would pull this list out and begin to read through these things. And this is what encouraged him to live the next day, to continue to fight the war, to continue to go forward. And as the soldiers and Miss Helen were talking there, other students began to come up that were at that funeral. One young lady said, my husband was in your class and he made me put that piece of paper in my wedding album. One young lady came up and said, I don't know if you remember me, Ms. Helen, but that paper was so impactful to me that I have it framed and it's on my wall in my house. One young man said it was so impactful to him that he worked it into his wedding vows because the words that were said that day were so impactful for them. One young lady said, I scrapbooked mine. They, the, the line began to go on and on, and it was all because of one woman deciding to make an impact on a bunch of students. What would make an adult hold on to a piece of paper as they go into war? Appreciation and love. You see, this lady saw what was promising in these students, just as Priscilla saw what was promising in Apollos and said, I'm going to make an impact in their life. And this morning, church, what are we doing to pay attention to the people that are around us that need the love and encouragement of Jesus Christ? In verse 26, we go on to our next point where it says, practicing acceptance in the present. In verse 26, it simply says this, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla had heard this, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. In order for Priscilla to fix the error of Apollos, he had to feel appreciated. John Maxwell, very famous writer, very famous writer in our day, he writes many, many leadership books and he says this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We've heard that before. I'm sure you've heard that at some point in your life, but he coined this phrase because it is so true. People do not care how much you know until they know that you care for who they are. And this morning, as we look at Priscilla's life, we see that she cared for Apollos' life more than just saying, I want to help him. But she said, the Bible says here that she took him 
into himself. She gave him a place to belong. They gave purpose for what he was doing. They just didn't say, Apollos, I know you're doing some good things. You probably need to change some of these things and just send him on his way. No, they took him in. They fed him. They housed him. They clothed him. They gave him the necessities to show that he had purpose. One of the most disheartening things in our generation right now, and this statistic was taken before COVID, but after COVID, it's even worse. The statistic is this, and you can find a statistic for everything I know, but the statistic shows that most young people have never, let me repeat that, have never experienced a true connection to someone. Never. Most young people in our day and age today say, I've never had a true connection to another person in my life. I can't say who it is because I've never had one. And it's even greater after COVID because of isolation. Nurturing and accepting of others involves us being close to them. It involves us being vulnerable. And Priscilla had to be vulnerable to accept and impact the present of where she was at. Not a huge fan of Walt Disney, especially in today's day and age, but years ago, Walt Disney came out with a uh, his version of three people in the world. It's not Bible, but I think I'm going to read it because I think it's impactful. It said this. He said, the first type of person is a well poisoner. A well poisoner discourages people. They stomp out your creativity and they tell you what you cannot do. The second type is this, a lawnmower. A lawnmower is well-intentioned, but ultimately self-absorbed. They are more concerned with their own needs and their own loans and they never leave their yard to help someone else. The third type of person is a life enhancer. These are those that reach out to others and lift them up and encourage others to inspire greatness. My question this morning is, which one of these are us? Are we accepting in the present or are we poisoning someone's well? Or are we just worried about it alone? Or are we deciding to enhance other people's life? And ultimately, Walt Disney didn't know this, but the only way that we can be enhancers of other people's lives is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's by giving them the hope that Jesus gives to us. Evaluate yourself today and ask yourself, which one of these are you? Am I just worried about myself and I don't care about others? Or am I going to practice what Aquila does and worry about other people and practice acceptance in their life? The third thing we're going to look at is in the last part of chapter or verse 26. And it's this, pressing always for full potential. Last part of verse 26 says this, they took unto him and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. You see, I shared this, uh, this illustration a little bit this morning in our Sunday school class, but years ago, how many of y'all remember the old school paper maps? Raise your hand. Say, I ask questions because that normally wakes us up when we ask questions in, in church. And so old school paper maps, I can remember years ago, I was like fifth or sixth grade, and we took a, a trip to the Grand Canyon. It's a three-week trip. It was a week to get out there. We stayed a week and a week to get back. And my dad had the old school paper map, and he had highlighted, okay, some of you may have done this, highlighted the route down and over and the way back. Okay, we knew which roads we were going to take, and mom was the map person. Okay, she was telling him, hey, I'm it looks like in about a mile, you're going to be taking a ride on the I-40 or I-77 or wherever it was. That was the map person. The problem with these old school maps was if you had a wrong map, if you had an outdated map, there may have been a road that was demolished 
Or there may have been a new road that was a quicker way that you didn't know about. And you would have to, at times, update this map. This is Apollos. Apollos had a map of what he was going to preach and teach, but it was outdated. It did not yet have Jesus Christ on that map. And so he was only preaching and teaching of John the Baptist. Now, today's day and age, we have iPhones and Androids, if you're a wicked heathen, okay? Uh, but if you're an iPhone user and you've got an iPhone and, you, and you've got it, it automatically updates your maps for you. And it'll tell you, hey, there's a quicker way. Go this way instead. And we don't even need those old maps, but yet you still need to update that map at times. Even though he had spoke boldly, he had room to grow. We should never be in a place where we are not having room to grow in our life. There is never a place in the Christian journey that we have arrived. The only place in our Christian journey where we have arrived is when we go into the grave and we stand before our Savior, Jesus Christ, because that is when we arrive at our destination. I've learned in my days of coaching that some young people will accept the coaching and some people will reject the coaching. You will have people who will say, I want to listen to you, coach, and they don't ever listen to you. You have some that pay attention and listen. And what happens here is Priscilla did not care whether they listened or not. She just cared about helping and helping them grow. Look back at, with me just probably one page in your Bible, but the beginning of Acts chapter 18. Because this lays the foundation of where Priscilla was in her life. And after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. And they found a certain Jew there named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, and his wife's name was Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came unto them. And because they were of the same craft, what did he do? He abode with them and wrought, for their occupation were tent makers, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So we see here, Priscilla's life again is impacting Paul. She was a mentor to Paul who wrote over half of the New Testament. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.25, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to acknowledge their truth. So I began reading that. I began thinking, our worst enemy is our own self, right? Who, who beats us up the most? Ourselves. We make a mistake, we beat ourselves up. And we need to have people around us that are able to speak life into our bodies, that are able to speak truth into us that will build us up. There's a guy named Bill Glass. Has anyone ever, by chance ever heard of the guy named Bill Glass? Most likely no. I figured you wouldn't have. But he put out a study. He was a prison evangelist. Prison evangelist. His whole ministry was going into prisons and telling prisoners who had ruined their life about Jesus. And so as he was doing this, and he went all over the nation, all over these prisons, all across the United States, he began to ask a simple question. He said, I interviewed thousands and thousands of inmates. And this was the question I began asking them. Did your parents ever tell you that one day you would end up in jail? Simple question, right? He said, my results were astonishing. After interviewing thousands and thousands of inmates, 90% of them said, yes. My mom or my dad said, one day you're going to end up in jail. And as a mom and a dad, we've got to ask ourselves, how much are we really impacting our kids for the good or the bad? 
Our words have value. Our words have meaning. And these inmates, instead of being built up in their most formidable years, were tore down. And the problem is many of the kids I talk to on a daily basis say this, I feel like there's no one on my side. I'm in the middle school every single week. Wednesdays we show up and we do donuts and devotion and we've got an average of about 160 kids show up. The kids know me now by the donut guy. Unfortunately, they know me by the donut guy. Okay, and they, they come up to me and they give me a hug. Kids that have came into tutoring and some that don't. But they know that I'm going to show up every Wednesday with a donut and a word of encouragement. Because too many kids these days don't have anyone on their side. And they feel like the world's against them. They feel like their teachers are against them. And we must encourage and believe in our young people before they succeed as Priscilla did. Apollos had not yet succeeded in his life. He was early in his ministry and yet they believed in him. The problem is we want to believe in the kid after they succeed, right? I just watched the documentary yesterday. I was out, or Friday as I was doing laundry of Tom Brady. I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but I'm a football fan. And I began watching the documentary of Tom Brady and his coaches who said, we knew there was something special about Tom when he was in junior high. We knew that he was going to do great things. His sister had already played in semi-pro. His other sister was already in, in, in the top level of her D1 training. And we knew there was something special about Tom. He would show up late after practice. He would stay late after practice. And, and, and we began to invest in him. We began to believe in him. And now look, he had won seven Super Bowls and he had done great things. The problem is, we want to believe in the people once they become the Steve Jobs and the Elon Musks of the world. We want to believe in them then. We don't want to believe in them when they're snotty-nosed little kids running around in church. We have got to get to the point where we believe in people before they succeed. You see, in my day, we call these people bandwagon fans, right? These are the fans that get on board with the team once they make it to the Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden, you see everyone wearing the Chiefs jerseys around. And you're like, hold on, when did you become a Chiefs fan? Oh, I've always been a Chiefs fan. No, I, I've not seen you in a Chiefs jersey my entire life. You see, the problem is I've always been a Dolphins fan. And I'm a prideful, I love the Dolphins, I'm a proud Dolphins fan, and I have been set back in some of my prideful years by being a Dolphins fan. I wear the jersey. I can remember back in 2007. This is a side note, it's not even my notes. I can remember back in 2007, I had a Dolphins, they used to have skins that you could put on laptops. I had a Dolphins skin my freshman year of, of college. And I would sit there and every day, 2007, I'm just going to rewind some of you may not know this about the Dolphins. They won one game that year. Okay, it was the very last game of the year. They were 0-15 and they went 1-15 that year. And I was still a Dolphins fan. But yet when we begin to win, all of a sudden people want to become Dolphins fans. Not lately because we haven't been winning and, you know, we're trying to get there. But I say all that to say people like to get on board when things are happening good. Where are we at when things aren't happening good? Priscilla and Aquila, they signed on early. They cared for this man. And we're going to see what happens with Apollos here in the last thing in verses 27 and 28. And I'll be done very quickly. The last one is this, promoting along to expanded possibilities. And when they disposed, and when he was disposed to pass on to Achaia, they wrote letters and they exhorted him to the disciples to receive him, who when they had come, he helped them much. They believed through grace, for he mightily convinced the Jews and publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. 
Many scholars, many scholars that I read after said that Apollos became the most prominent speaker for the sake of the gospel. Many scholars believe that he was the most gifted speaker that the New Testament church had ever seen. We don't have any writings by him, but we know through scripture that he was prominent in the way that he spoke and he encouraged either, everyone that was around him. It says that he influenced the Jews and the Greeks mightily. He showed the scripture to them and he expounded them. But Priscilla decided to get on early. One pastor friend of mine, he, he, he said this statement. I really liked it. He said this, anybody who helps somebody influences a lot of bodies. Anybody who helps somebody influences a lot of bodies. The simple nature of influencing is simply multiplication. Who are we multiplying and investing into the kingdom? You see, oftentimes, as Robert Stevenson says, he says, don't judge every day by the harvest, but by the seeds that we plant. Too often times we want to see what happens to the harvest and we're not investing in today. In second, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul writes like this. Paul writing, he says, I have planted the seed, but he never saw the increase. But what did he say? He said, Apollos came behind me and watered. And then God gave the increase. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. What seeds are we planting this morning, church, to where someone else can come behind us and water it so that God can get the increase? We may not see the increase today. We may not see the increase in our lifetime because it is our job to plant and it is God's job to increase. He gets all the credit this morning, church. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, Paul writing to young Timothy, he said, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Paul is simply saying, I'm going to teach you, Timothy, and I need you to go out and to teach other people so that those people can go out and teach other people. What are we doing this morning to influence the other people that are around us? Simply put, this is discipleship, church. This is Men and women deciding that we are going to invest in the next generation, that we are going to pour into their lives so that they can live the gospel out in their community. Two questions, and I'm going to close an illustration. The question is, is who is your Priscilla this morning? Who is the person that made an impact and ultimately made a difference in your life? I dare say that most of us are going to have a different person. Most of us are going to have someone completely different than the other person in this room. But the question is, is who are you a Priscilla to someone else? And then the last question I want to ask before I give this illustration is this. Who is the person that shared Jesus with you? Think this morning. Who's the person that shared the great news of Jesus with you? This morning, as fitting for Mother's Day, and you guys know my story, but my mom was the one that led me to Jesus. It was a Sunday night and the last Sunday of March. It was the week before our church burned down. And I grabbed my mom by the hand, and our pastor was preaching on the reality of hell that morning, that evening. And I said, Mom, I don't know that I'm going to heaven. And she took me down to the altar, and she opened the Bible, and she shared the gospel with me. And that night, I accepted Jesus as my Savior as a five-year-old boy. And in Mother's Day, I can't go a Mother's Day without thinking about my mom and the impact that she had on me. But the question is this, is 
Who's the person that shared Jesus with you? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I've never had that opportunity. I would love to share that with you. Whether it be here at the altar that's after the service or whether it be afterwards or whether you give me a call, my number's on the bulletin. I would love to share Jesus with you this week because he is the greatest thing that's going to change your life this morning. But as I was trying to close, I came across an article that was written in 1976. Now, I, I don't go back in history. This was um, 12 years before I was born. How many of you, and maybe some people, how many would know if we were receiving the Home Life magazine in 1976? Jerry, does anybody know if we were getting that here in 1976? Okay, maybe, maybe not. Well, the Home Life magazine, it's out here. We pay for it every single month for the church. If you want to pick one up, and it's got great articles in it. But I came across this article that was published in 1976 about a lady who was an elementary school teacher who made an impact on a fifth grade class. I'm going to read it this morning. I normally don't read an article verbatim, but I'm going to read it this morning because as I read through this article, tears were brought to my eyes. And so bear with me as I read it. It says, this is a story many years ago of an elementary teacher, and her name was Miss Thompson. And as she stood in front of her fifth grade class, on the very first day of school, she told the children a lie. As most teachers do, she looked at her students and said to them, I love each and every one of you the same. But that was impossible. Because there in the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Teddy Stoddard. Miss Thompson had watched Teddy the year before and noticed that he didn't play well with the other children. His clothes were messy, and he constantly needed a bath. Teddy could be very unpleasant at times. And it got to the point where Miss Thompson would actually take delight in marking his papers with an X on the top with a red pen and even putting a big F on the top of his papers. And at that school where Miss Thompson had taught, she was required to review each child's past records, and she put Teddy's off until last. However, when she reviewed his file, she was in for a surprise. In first grade, his teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners, and he's a joy to be around. In second grade, she wrote, his teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student, well-liked by his classmates, but he is in trouble because his mother has a terminal illness at home, and life at home is a struggle. His third grade teacher wrote, his mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest at home. Life will soon be affected if some steps aren't taken. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends and sometimes sleeps in class. By now, Ms. Thompson had realized the problem and she was ashamed of herself. She felt even worse when she students when her students brought her Christmas presents wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper, except for Teddy's. His present was clumsily wrapped with heavy brown paper that he had gotten from the grocery store, and Miss Thompson took pains in opening it in the middle of the other presents. Some of the children even began laughing when they found a rhinestone bracelet with stones missing and a bottle of perfume that was almost empty. She stifled the children's laughter and she exclaimed how pretty the bracelet was and 
put it on and began to dab some of the perfume on her wrists. Teddy stayed after school that day just long enough to say, Miss Thompson, today you smell like my mom used to. And after the children left, she cried for at least an hour. And on that very day, she quit teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And instead, she began teaching children. Miss Thompson's pain paid particular attention to Teddy. She began to work with him, and his mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. By the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest children in the class. And despite her lie that she would love all the children the same, Teddy became her teacher's pet. A year later, she found a note slid under her door from Teddy telling her that she was still the best teacher that she had ever had in his whole life. Six years had went by before she got another note from Teddy, and he wrote that he had finished high school second in his class, and she was still the best teacher that he had ever had in his whole life. Four years after that, she got another letter saying that while, things had, that while he had been taught at times, and while he had been tough at times, he stayed in school. He stuck with it and would soon graduate from college with the highest honors. He assured Miss Thompson that she was still the best and favorite teacher that he had ever had in his entire life. Then four more years had passed, and yet another letter had come. This time, he has explained that he had got his bachelor's degree, and he decided to go a little further. The letter explained that she was still the best and favorite teacher he'd ever have, but now his name had gotten a little longer, and his letter was signed Theodore F. Stoddard, M.D. But the story doesn't end there. You see, there was one more letter that came that spring, and Teddy said he had met the girl that he was going to marry. And he explained that his father had died a couple of years ago, and he was wondering if Miss Thompson might agree to sit in the place at the wedding that was usually reserved for the mother of the groom. And of course, Miss Thompson did, and you know, she wore that bracelet, and one, the one with several rhinestones missing. And she made sure to wear the perfume that Teddy remembered his mother by the last Christmas they were together. They hugged each other, and Dr. Stoddard whispered in Miss Thompson's ear, Thank you, Miss Thompson, for believing in me. Thank you for making me feel important and showing me that I could make a difference. As our musicians come, Miss Thompson, with tears in her eyes, whispered back, and she said, Teddy, you have it all wrong. You were the one that taught me that I could make a difference. I didn't know how to teach until I met you. The simple question this morning is this. Will we be the hands and feet of Jesus? Will we be the Priscilla and the Miss Thompsons this morning that are going to make an impact on someone today? You see, we're all busy. We've all got schedules. We've all got things that keep us busy. But I've learned in my age of 34, almost 35 years old, that it only takes a couple of seconds to impact someone's life for the kingdom. It only takes a couple of seconds to share Jesus with someone to change their destination forever. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. I pray, God, that this message will be an impact on someone this morning. Help us to make an impact on the community around us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.